Ministry is unpredictable, to say the least. It's fun, it's challenging. Ministry sometimes is hard, and sometimes it's heartbreaking. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, one of my favorite Bible verses is very relevant to all of us. A reminder that Paul gives us that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And on this first chapel of a new semester, I think that's a great reminder for all of us because maybe you're here wondering, what is that good work that God has prepared in advance for me to do? Some of you know exactly what that good work is, that kingdom work. Others of you kind of sort of have an idea, but I would imagine that many of you have no idea. Can I get an oh yeah from those of you who are still figuring it out, right? And that's okay, that's okay, God knows. He's got a good work for you. He's prepared that work in advance for you to do, and you are here for a reason. God has put you here for a purpose, to train and to prepare for that kingdom work that he has prepared in advance. And what we're talking about, I at least know this, what we're talking about this semester is an absolute necessity is required for you to do the kingdom work that God has prepared for you. You must be in a constant pursuit of wisdom. And so our question this morning is very simple. On this first sermon of this entire semester, where does our pursuit of wisdom begin? What's the starting line? Now, when I hear the word pursuit, I can't help but think of a race. Specifically, I think of one of the greatest races ever run in Olympic history. It took place during the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. The man in the white hat at the very back of the pack is not Elijah Knatzer. It is, however, Dave Waddle. He wore that hat early in his career to keep the hair and the sweat out of his eyes. Coming into the Olympic Games, these particular games, he was suffering with some injuries, and so he was a bit unsure of himself. As a result, after one lap of this two-lap race, he was in dead last place, completely out of contention, but he continued his pursuit. And as the race wore on, he eventually made his way back to the pack. And as it continued through that second lap, he continued to pursue one runner after another, picking them off one at a time until to everybody's surprise and excitement, he made his way to the front pack, down the home stretch, a photo finish. And in the end, Dave Waddle was your Olympic champion, a gold medalist to pursue something to chase after something is to proactively and with great intentionality chase after that which is worth pursuing. And that which we pursue, that which we chase after, it is not unattainable, it's not unreachable. Solomon calls that a chasing after the wind. What we pursue and what we're talking about this semester is something that is very much within reach, is very much attainable. Now just out of curiosity, how many of you went to a high school that awarded superlatives at the end of the year? Just raise your hand if you went to a high school, okay? A lot of you. Here's what I'm more curious about. How many of you actually won a superlative? You know, best dress, cutest couple. Okay, raise your hand real high. Be proud. All right, you're the overachievers among us. So go ahead. If you won a superlative, tell the person next to you what that superlative was. You should, you should brag about that. Now, when King Solomon was given a blank check by God, when he was given one wish, one opportunity to receive a superlative award, you of course know what he chose, right? You know what he chose. 
of all of the things that he could have chosen, greatest wealth, most powerful, he said, God, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. Wisdom is spoken of a great deal throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for wisdom is used over 300 times. It means to live skillfully. More specifically, it is living in a way that is consistent with the covenant of God. Solomon spoke extensively of wisdom in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and even Song of Solomon about certain things. But it wasn't just Solomon who spoke extensively about wisdom. The psalmist sang about it. Psalm 37:30, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. Psalm 90:12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 111:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. And it wasn't just David and Solomon who spoke of wisdom, but there was some guy named Agur in the book of Proverbs who lamented that he lacked wisdom, but he had a lot to say about it. And in Proverbs chapter 30, he's a man who loves a good list. And so he has a bunch of lists in chapter 30. You should read it sometime. One of those lists comes in verse 24. He writes, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Now I'll let you figure out what a hyrax is and what all of this means exactly. But one of my favorite preachers, no surprise to some of you, is Haddon Robinson. It's a great name. Somebody should name their son after him. He preached a sermon on this list. His summation, usually when we model, we model upward. Yet Agur chooses these simple creatures, small and unattractive. And as he models down, he gives us wisdom for the living of our days. The wisdom for the living of our days, that's something worth pursuing the Old Testament writers certainly did this, but it wasn't just the Old Testament writers. The New Testament writers spoke extensively about wisdom. The Greek counterpart, Sophia, is used over 50 times in the New Testament. Jesus, the child, is described as being one who grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And Jesus not only grew in wisdom, but Paul tells us that Jesus was the very embodiment of wisdom. To those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and is the very wisdom of God. As one preacher said, to pursue wisdom is to pursue Jesus. And perhaps no one spoke more extensively about wisdom in the New Testament than the brother of Jesus, James. Which brings us back to the passage that Michelle read to us earlier and our initial question, where do we begin? Where does our journey, our pursuit start when it comes to the pursuit of wisdom? Well, one could argue that the starting place, the beginning, the starting line, the beginning of this pursuit is to ask for it, right? If we are going to be a wise people, we must ask God for wisdom, which means that we are a people who are genuinely open and available, availing ourselves to the wisdom of God in our life, that we are allowing God to access every portion, every aspect, every piece of our life to give us the wisdom that we need to pursue him and to pursue the life that he wants us 
to live. James chapter one, verse five, if any one of you lacks To put it in context, the wisdom that you need to consider a pure joy in all circumstances, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What an incredible promise. Whoever among us is lacking in the wisdom that we need, all we have to do is simply ask God for it and he will give it to us. And when he gives us his wisdom, he doesn't do it judiciously. He doesn't do it in a sparing or conditional manner. He will give us his Sophia, his wisdom in a generous, liberal way. In fact, the word generously that James uses in this passage is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, if your eye is generous, then your whole body will be full of light. As one commentator wrote, he is a giving God. I came across the story of Ashley Taylor, who is a kindergarten teacher of Keene Elementary School in North Texas, been teaching for 18 years. She's developed a morning routine, a tradition where she has the class the day before choose the greeter for the next morning. And so in this video, you see Asher Bales, who's greeting his classmates one by one at the door on a Monday morning. He's dealt with a variety of health issues. He has a speech impediment, but all of that is forgotten and unimportant as he is the one standing at the door, generously welcoming each student with a handshake and sometimes a hug. (laughs) We serve a generous God, a generous God who stands at the door ready to give you his wisdom, ready to give his wisdom to whoever will ask. So practically speaking, I've developed a habit over the years of life and ministry and raising a family where every morning I pray at least two prayers, sometimes by myself, sometimes we gather as a family and I pray these two prayers, at least these two. One, God, fill me with your spirit today. God, help me to walk in step with your spirit. God, give me joy and peace and patience and kindness. Lord, today, fill me with gentleness as I interact with others. God, help me to live in a manner that is consistent with your Holy Spirit within me. God, fill me with your spirit. And a second prayer that I pray every morning, God, give me your wisdom. As I interact with others, as I have conversations and meetings and make decisions, Lord, as I face struggles and trials and celebrations, God, help me to know what to say and how to act and help me to treat others the way you would want me to treat them. God, give me the wisdom that is found in your word. And so on on a practical note, I would lend those two prayers to you. And I would encourage you throughout your life of kingdom work and throughout the course of this semester as we pursue wisdom, would you pray those two prayers on a regular basis? When you wake up in the morning, would you write that somewhere in your Bible or in your dorm room or in your apartment? God, today, fill me with your spirit. God, give me your wisdom because anyone who lacks wisdom, all he has to do is ask God for it. But it doesn't stop there and it can't stop there. According to James, we not only need to ask God for wisdom, but if we're gonna pursue wisdom, we need to obey the wisdom that we in fact receive. 
because our pursuit begins when we ask for it, but it continues when we obey it. When you ask, James says, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded, literally a two-souled person, unstable in all that they do. When James and Je- what James and Jesus are saying is that you just can't ask for it, receive it, and then disregard it. If you do, you're like a wave of the sea. You're unstable in all that you do. Your soul is being torn apart. It echoes the teaching of Jesus. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But whoever hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the, on the sand. Some of you know exactly what that feels like, unfortunately, because you're here at a Bible college, you're regularly hearing the wisdom of God as it's presented in the word of God through the teaching of his word, but there are pockets of your life, there are corners of your life where you are disregarding the wisdom that you are receiving. Your soul, therefore, is being torn apart is divided, you're being tossed to and fro. Too often, we're like a toddler testing the limits of what we can and what we cannot do. We're a lot like this kid in this video. Wait, no, no, Hayes, uh-uh, don't do it. No, don't do it, no, don't do it, don't do it, no. No, 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 don't even think of, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't even think about, no, uh-uh, no, no, no. It's really as simple as this. Let God's yes be your yes and let God's no be your no. Let there not be any confusion, instability in your life because his commands, his yeses and his nos are not a burden. They are a blessing born out of love. So would you this semester pray that God would reveal any area of your life, any part of your life that is not being lived in submission to the wisdom of God And would you obey him fully in that area? Because the pursuit of wisdom, it begins when we ask God for it. It continues when we obey the wisdom we receive. But ultimately, the starting line of our pursuit of wisdom, it it starts when we fully trust in the goodness of God. That's where it really starts, when we trust in the goodness of God. Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Dave Stone once said, What God gives us is far better than whatever we give into. When we trust that God is good, we will want to obey the wisdom of God because we will trust that God not only knows what is best for us, but he genuinely wants the very best for your life. Jackie Hill, some of you will recognize that name and will know her story. She tweeted recently, since God is holy and utterly good by nature, 
even his harshest commands are worth your obedience. Or to say it another way, if God is as good as he says he is, then every single command is good for you, even if it doesn't feel good to you. James reminds us of the goodness of God in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And once again, James is echoing the teaching of Jesus. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks. Receives everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, that door will be open. Which one of you, Jesus says, which one of you, if you have a son who asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or which one of you, if your son asks for fish, would give him a snake? If you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Whenever our family goes to my wife's home in Fort Smith, Arkansas, we go and we visit her grandmother, Grandma York is what we call her. She is a tiny little southerner straight out of steel magnolias. I don't know if that means anything to you. Today, she's 98 years old. She lives in a nursing home. She suffers with advanced dementia, which is a form of severe memory loss, which means every time we go see her, we have the same conversation over and over and over again. And the good thing is she has an incredible sense of humor, so we laugh a whole bunch at the same joke over and over and over again. For example, our last visit, my wife, you can see it in the picture, was wearing a pair of jeans that were torn. She's very stylish that way. But when Grandma York saw those jeans, she was not approving. And she said, Stacy, you are much too old to be wearing those jeans. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're much too old to be wearing those jeans. For my wife, if she were up here talking to you right now, she would tell you that Grandma York has been a constant source of godly wisdom mixed in, sprinkled in with some good southern wisdom. So I asked Stacy to share with me some of the proverbial wisdom that her grandmother has imparted to her over the years. Here are a few, some I don't understand. For example, when making homemade pie crust, do not handle your dough too much. Fried chicken, it's, not, it's all about the temperature of your grease and not flipping your chicken too much. When hemming a pair of pants, small even stitches are necessary. A puckering hemline is not acceptable. I, I don't know. Never cut corners in your shoe purchases. A great pair of shoes not only completes an outfit, outfit, but they shouldn't be uncomfortable. Almost, I like this one. Almost all problems can be worked out around a table, eye to eye, ears that are listening, and with a glass bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Wear in your wheel color at all times. Great, greatness is found in details. Don't overlook the details ever. Every child, even big kids, like to be read to. Every mom should have a good chocolate chip cookie recipe. Totally agree with that. <laughs> and maybe the theme of her life, serve the Lord faithfully and in whatever way you can. So here's the deal. The reason why my wife has spent hours upon hours in her grandmother's kitchen and living room and home, listening to her, putting into practice her words, emulating her character, 
is because what my wife genuinely believes that her grandmother loves her and wants the very best for her life. Ask because you will receive. Obey because he is good. And his goodness is most evident not just in the practicality of his wisdom, not just in the effectiveness of his teaching, though it is. His goodness is most evident in the sacrifice of his son. The one who gave his son freely to us is the one who gives us his wisdom. And so the bottom line for us this morning and perhaps the whole semester is this. The more convinced we are of his goodness, the more passionately we will pursue his wisdom. The more convinced we are that God is good, the more convinced we are that God knows and wants the very best for our lives, the more convinced we are of this, the more passionate we will be in pursuing his wisdom as it's taught to us in his word. I'll finish with this final picture. Earlier I referenced the Olympic Games, something that we're very familiar with. What we may not be as familiar with are the Paralympic Games. Athletes compete from all over the world who are deaf, who have lost limbs, who are sometimes bound to a wheelchair, and who are blind. One of the more famous American para-athletes is a guy named Lex Gillette. Lex has made his fame as a long jumper. When he was eight years old, he started to lose his sight. He went through a series of surgeries that were unsuccessful, leaving him completely blind. But Lex has been immensely successful as a long jumper. He holds world records, he's a world champion, he has Olympic medals to show for it, but in order for him to long jump, he needs help, he can't do it by himself. The key to his success is that he has to listen to his guide and he has to trust that his guide, Wesley Williams, knows what is best for him. And so his guide claps in the rhythm of his run, fly, 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 fly. 16 times his guide claps, 16 times in in sync with 16 long strides until Gillette reaches the board where he lifts off into the air. Total trust in his guide, listening only to his voice. Gillette said this once, it's like I'm on an island If I can't hear him, it seems devastating because if I can't hear, I can't see. So making sure that he's loud, making sure that he's the only person I focus on in the stadium, no one in the crowd, no one to the right of me, no one to the left of me, listening to him and running at him as fast as possible. That is the pursuit of wisdom, listening to him, running at him as fast as possible. Ask because you will receive, obey because he is good. The more convinced we are of his goodness, the more passionately we will pursue his wisdom. May it be so for all of us this semester. Would you stand and would you pray a word of benediction on the screen with me? Out loud. God, give us your wisdom. You are dismissed.